0: Welcome to the Morning Woods. I'm Miles Tridel, writer, producer, and narrator of this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. He came out of nowhere. If my girlfriend's scream hadn't caused me to veer off the road, my car might have sent him flying. I can't tell you how often I think back on that day and wonder what might have turned out differently if I'd just let it happen. It was a Friday night, chilly, and lit only by a low-hanging half-moon. We were on one of those roads you often find in the northwest, winding, forested, and poorly lit. And despite the lonely setting, my girlfriend Sarah and I were carefree as could be. We'd just left a bonfire at my brother's place about 10 miles south of where we were when it happened. Now, I had driven that snake of a road many times when I'd gone to visit my brother before. Even in the middle of the night, it felt familiar. Comfortable. Well, that's changed for me now. Sarah had turned up the radio when the opening keys to Don't Stop Believing hammered their way out of the speakers. She was unconsciously humming along, and I found myself tapping the steering wheel with my thumbs. By, a singer in a smoky room, we were both fully enveloped by the music. We sped around a bend, a little too fast I'll admit, and the moon came into view, seemingly hovering just above the pavement. That was when Sarah exploded. She kicked the glove box and clawed at my shoulder while her primal cry raised every hair on my skin. It all happened in a second, maybe two but the details play through my head like a slow motion video. Sarah's other hand, the one that wasn't digging into my arm, was pointed at the windshield, or rather who stood just beyond it. The man stumbled into the road, emerging completely by surprise from between the trees. The main thing I remember is the way his eyes looked. They appeared to be sunken into his skull and maybe just because of the headlights, they were colorless, black reacting totally out of fear and panic, I jerked the wheel to the left. The bumper missed the slack-jawed man by inches, but my action sent us careening into the trees. By the grace of God, we missed the first couple of trees by a slim margin, which is probably the only reason I'm alive to tell you this story. We did, after a few torturously long seconds, hit a tree about 100 yards into the forest, but the foliage and brakes had slowed the car enough for Sarah and I to survive unharmed. The crash killed one of my headlights and left the other flickering. The hood was bent up near my side, and steam poured out making my poor car look like a tea kettle on wheels. Where did he go? My girlfriend asked. Somewhat dazed by the crash, I had forgotten the reason it happened. I turned to look through the rear window. Even with my foot on the brakes, which bathed the trees behind us in red light, I couldn't see very far. I returned to a neutral position. I was about to ask Sarah if she could find her phone when something moved in front of the flickering headlight. "'Did you see that?' I asked her. She had her knees up to her chin, and her arms wrapped around them. Without looking at me, she nodded quickly, almost like she was having a seizure. I didn't see tears, but I could tell they were close. Against my better judgment, I decided to get out and look for the man. Maybe he was in trouble. Why would anyone be out in the woods alone in the middle of the night?' I told Sarah to lock the doors as I got out and shut mine. Before I had even finished telling her to do so, I heard the mechanical thunk. I called into the darkness, wishing I had a flashlight, and received no answer. I walked around the tree in search of whatever we had seen in the light. There was nothing there. I couldn't hear anyone, or anything, moving either. Now standing in front of Sarah's side of the car, bathed in flickering white light, I told her to try calling my brother. We would leave the car until morning, but my house was way too far away to walk to in the dark. She turned on the cabin light, and I watched her scroll through her contacts. She lifted the phone to her ear and looked up. Without warning, she started screaming and pointing at me. No, behind me. I turned to see the gaunt man with his black eyes standing right behind me. His head was tilted at a disturbing angle, and his mouth hung open. He took a step towards me, and the headlights went out. I screamed too. I felt his hand, cold and strong, grab at my shirt and pull me. He caused me to stumble forward, but then the headlight came back to life. He was gone. Sarah was screaming for me to get back in the car, and I ran around the back to get to my door. I yanked on the handle, but it was still locked. Sarah's fingers frantically searched for the unlock button. When she pressed it, I quickly opened the door and dove inside. It was my turn to press the lock button in a panicked frenzy and I accidentally brushed the button that opens the trunk. I met Sarah's terrified eyes as we heard the click from behind. The trunk, which could only be closed from outside, was now wide open. Hello? Hello, Sarah? My brother's voice came from the floor. Sarah's call had gone through, and he was nervously waiting an answer on the other side of the line. I reached down for the phone and, unable to hide the fear in my voice, begged him to come get us. I gave him the best description of our location I could, and he promised he was on his way. Just after I hung up, we heard a noise from behind, and the car's weight shifted. Then the scratching started. Someone was clawing at the back seats from the trunk. As I shushed Sarah with a finger on my lips, I prayed the man wouldn't find the two latches in the trunk, the latches that allowed the back seat to be lowered. My prayers fell on deaf ears, and my heart sank as I heard two loud clicks. Sarah squealed. Mascara ran down her face in dark streaks. I fumbled again with the lock so we could escape before we were trapped in the car with the strange man, but I was too slow. The seat lowered. I turned to face our tormentor, only to find the empty trunk gaping back at me. What the... Sarah was cut short when something slammed into the roof from outside. The car began shaking and rocking back and forth, Whatever slammed into the roof began hitting it again and again. I screamed for Sarah to get out, to run to the road, but she wouldn't budge. That was when I noticed the headlights coming up the road behind us. It couldn't have been my brother, but I didn't care. I reached over Sarah, unlocked her door, and pushed it open. I told her to run as I did the same to my door. She finally listened, and we ran towards the road, not looking back. We must be the luckiest people in the world. The car was as I suspected, not my brother's. It was a highway patrol car. We flagged the trooper down and told him our story. He didn't seem to believe most of it, but he turned a spotlight on my wrecked car and decided to give us a ride back to the station. At the station, I called my brother to update him. He said he would come pick us up. While we waited, the trooper had plenty of questions for us. He made each of us take a breath test, which I, of course, passed. When it was Sarah's turn, he found her staring at a board full of missing persons photos. That's him, she cried excitedly as she pointed to a photo in the middle of the collage. That's the guy who was attacking us. Couldn't be, the trooper stated matter-of-factly and tore the photo from the board. No, sir, I backed Sarah up. I recognize him too. He looked a little… weirder, but that's definitely him. The trooper looked at us both with a bewildered stare. He sat and crossed his arms without breaking his gaze. Couldn't be, he repeated. He's the reason I was driving through that area tonight. A canine team searched that part of the forest this morning. The guy in that picture? They found him in a shallow grave just off the road.